Today on Nine Weeks Radio, 30 years of 993 with designer Tony Hatter. Brought to you by NineWorks.co.uk, the fastest growing online Porsche community supported by the NineWorks Marketplace. NineWorks Radio is your dedicated Porsche and car podcast hosted by Lee Sibley, Andy Brooks and Max Newman. NineWorks Radio is carefully produced with special input from experts around the industry and powered by our valued members of the NineWorks Driven Not Hidden Collective. Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Nightworks Radio from Porsche Centre Bournemouth today. Ground, you might hear a little bit of background noise in the The in hustle and bustle of, yeah, a, of, the centre. of a Porsche Centre showroom. Yeah. Yeah, so, we uh, seem to have spent our life in here the last few days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Max is still MIA, dearest listeners, so he'll be back very shortly. But um, it's actually the morning after the night before. <laughs> so it was yesterday we welcomed uh, a number of international guests to the centre here, yeah. along with a band of Driven Not Hidden collective members and others with 993s yeah and hopefully new members very much yeah 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 <laughs> prod, 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 prod. <laughs> nudge, nudge, yes so and, and and the aim of today's podcast that you're about to hear is, is a celebration of all things 993 really plus gt1 and carrera gt yeah so we welcome tony hatter we brought tony hatter back to the uk from uh, from stuttgart and he joined us here at the center to celebrate 30 years of 993 talk us through some little bits and pieces about the uh, the fourth generation 911 that we may not have known before. Indeed, yeah, lots, so, of, lots of juicy details. Yep, he flew in despite Storm Kieran. We've also, and we're joined by both of them now, we've got Thomas and Ola, our international guest that flew in from Norway Nutters. to be here. <laughs> <laughs> you crazy individuals. How are you both? Yeah, all good. I'm very chuffed and uh, pleased by the event. Yeah, such an amazing day yesterday. Good. And I uh, can't get over how organised and all planned out everything went it was an amazing day what thank do they, you what do they say about um is it ducks you know there's or swans that go along the river and there's uh there's lovely sort of calm up top chaos below yeah yeah, yeah it really that, was wasn't it, up, right? it was. <laughs> <laughs> listeners may recognize uh, thomas's tones because thomas you joined us on the podcast previously it's the porsche hunter so definitely yep. recommend people go and have a listen back to that we'll speak a bit more to you gents shortly um Yes, just kind of want to say, we, we said on the night of public thanks, but uh, Andy as well, just want to say thanks to you, mate, because you, you did a, a load well, of stuff you, yesterday. Mate. It was all good. Um, team, team, team Nine Works. Well, there was some really cool stuff that uh, listening to this podcast you might you might not understand or might you might not be aware of. So we did, obviously, the, the Q&A evening here where we had, I think it was around about 100 people who yep. themselves braved Storm Kieran to come out and listen to what Tony had to say. We had, I think it was 27 993s in the end. In them, yeah, during the day. In and the, the most. I think probably another seven, eight, maybe 10 joined us okay. in the evening. Okay, so, yeah, yeah, we yeah. Were so well good, over the 30. Good, good number. And yeah. I considered it was honestly like atrocious conditions, c- atrocious conditions. So um, just big, big thanks to, to those. So that was awesome. Yeah. But also, you know, 
Andy, you did a little book for Tony, and this is what people might not know. So a yeah. special 30 Years of 993. I don't know if you guys wrote in it, but it's a selection yeah. of mm. historical pictures, posters, alongside some contemporary shots of people's cars who were at the rally. Yeah. And, and, and people just wrote some sentiments into Tony, and you quietly gave that to Tony at the end of the evening, Andy, and I thought that was an absolute touch of class, well, mate. Thomas said that he actually nearly saw a little tear from Tony at one point. Yeah, Did you he, really he was it? really amazed when I saw it. He yeah. was really moved by this uh, book. Nice, yeah, nice. amazing. I, I, I think, think what we might do is you might, um, obviously that book was for Tony and had all of everybody's writing in. I took some pictures of each of those pages. So what I might do is compile a book and maybe some of the photos from the day that um, Simon took. And we may look at um, yeah if there's a, you know, a demand for that maybe producing a, a batch so that yeah. uh, people can buy those yeah that that would be awesome because it was it was a, a day to remember a, yeah. and again you know adrian come from uh suffolk jit come down from birmingham, birmingham yeah plenty of people like toby and jason from exeter come from surrey yeah henry at lakeside classics from shropshire shropshire yeah. incredible i actually um and again, I don't think we mentioned it last night, but one of my favourite cars that was here yesterday was uh, David Beckham's old oh, 993 Carrera 2S. Awesome. Until it was parked in here. Yeah. And then somebody pointed it out. Yeah. Uh, the, the girls here at um, Porsche Centre Bournemouth are getting in and getting their photos taken. It was yeah, no, it was great, yeah. wasn't yeah, it? Was it, was, it was so cool, especially yeah. with the recent Netflix documentary. Laura yeah. and I were watching that a couple of weeks ago. Yeah was uh, largely falling asleep and then I was, yeah, you see him at the wheel of this 903 <laughs> and I, I'm going, Laura, he's, it's Tiptronic, it's Tiptronic. <laughs> She's going, what's that? What, what's, why, what do do why do we care? Why do we care? So, uh, yeah, that was that was great to see yeah, that. Yeah, thank you, so, Rory, for bringing that. Top, top guy, yeah, top, amazing. top guy. So, um, yeah, so look, that, that is it. What we will do uh, shortly is play the reel from last night so you yeah. can hear all that Tony had to say. Uh, beforehand, though, yeah, so obviously we've, we've heard from Thomas, want to say, Ula, Thank you so much, mate, for joining us and coming over here. Um, so, yeah, like, what did what did you make of UK car culture as of yesterday? Well, first of all, uh, such a priv privilege to meet uh, Tony Hatter. Absolutely, such a nice and uh, nice gentleman. Uh, so, um, we have uh, breaking news. We have uh, invited him to come uh, to Norway. Uh, awesome. The, yeah. The event uh, in uh, that uh, uh, Lee and uh, the group will uh, tell you more about shortly. Yes, yes. So it's it's you guys that kindly invite us at Nine Works over to your absolutely beautiful part of the world every year. So it's becoming a bit of an annual pilgrimage now. Mm. So sorry about that. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, can't keep you away. You, you, honestly, no. <laughs> you, are, you are so kind to invite like us every time. year, and I've said to both of you off the camera as well. You know, like again, all through this conduit of Porsches. You know, myself and, and my wife, Laura, we've got two amazing friends in you guys and, and Rags and Henrik and everyone else there. So it's, it's a pleasure for us to, to do that and, and, and a pleasure to bring people along every year. So we will be back with you guys in May next year. We've communicated that. I think we're going to... year just gone, it was open to anybody that wanted to go. I think this year we'll keep it in the spirit of the Driven Not Hidden Collective. So we'll yeah, just keep it among cool. the membership. Mm -hmm. um, and yes, there's there's some options of driving over or flying over to you guys. But yes, you, you have a guest of honour every year. 2023 was the year of Jürgen Barth. 2024 is the year of the Hatter. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, yeah, you've got some really cool things I know in the offing with 993 Carrera GT and everything else. So yeah, um, we, we will... Uh, uh, communicate the news and uh, planning through our sites and also through you uh, guys. Yes, yes. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, we'll just 
watch this space. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. I think you can surmise it as uh, great people, great cars, amazing location, world heritage site, and 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 Tony Hatter for a few days as well. So it's it's kind of Porsche it's Utopia. Win win. Really. Absolutely. Mm, yeah. um, so on that note, then we'll dive into last night, and this is the very best of what Mr. Hatter had to say about his astonishing career at Porsche. Before you do uh, listen, just to let you know, if you go on YouTube on Nineworks TV and uh, hit the live tab, we did a live recording of this because, as yeah. you rightly pointed out, Andy, there's a presentation, that some visuals. Yeah, lots of visuals, so it might be worth watching that. Yeah, yeah. yeah so feel free yeah. to head over there um, or enjoy it, what you're about to hear. Indeed. Ignore the first two or three minutes where Lee's talking to the camera without a microphone. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was trying to find somebody to hold the camera. <laughs> Brilliant. Excellent. Cool. Right, we'll play that clip. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming along and braving the adverse weather to be here tonight at Porsche Centre Bournemouth. As I think we know by now from what we do at Nine Works, you'll know that Porsche Bournemouth is one of five Porsche Classic partners in the UK. So anything classic and air-cooled 993s fall very much into that. I'm always very pleased to see you and your cars. So we're super grateful to Jonathan and the team. And actually, Jonathan's here now, so maybe you'd like to Take the mic just for two minutes. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Lee. Uh, thank you very much for everyone coming tonight. Um, I know people have made a lot of journeys and trips, and also the weather has been easy, um, especially with the recent storms we've had. So genuinely, just want to say thank you very much for attending. Um, it's an honour and pleasure to have Tony here, especially in the year of... 75 years of Porsche, 60 years of 911 and 30 years of the 993. Just feel some amazing milestones to celebrate and talk about. Um, really want everyone to enjoy themselves tonight. I'm going to leave the stage. This is, this is for Tony and the guys to, to do. But I hope everyone's had something to eat, something to drink. And if not, make sure you get something afterwards. And thank you and have a nice evening. And thank you, Tony, for coming. Right on. Thank you. Thank you, Jonathan, and Jonathan's staff as well for hosting us here. They're always so welcoming uh, for us Porsche fanatics. I think it's about time we introduced our star guest. <laughs> and I know you're always frightfully embarrassed, but uh, <laughs> you are a legend. You are Porsche royalty, and it's a real privilege to have you over here from, uh, from Stuttgart. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Tony Hatter. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Jonathan, for those words. And Lee, thank you for putting on this uh, an amazing event. Um, it started this morning about six-ish in Stuttgart, uh, torrential rain, and I didn't believe it would end up here. <laughs> but uh, And then I, what, what I never expected was to see thir nearly 3993s um, in the pouring rain. We had a great trip here, and uh, it's, it's absolutely incredible. <laughs> I, I think my personal abiding memory from today's rally from... Uh, Heathrow, where we basically convoyed you down to Porsche Bournemouth here on the coast. As we are our lunch stop, we were on this long table, and Tony, you sat down in the middle, looked left, looked right, and just said, you're all absolutely mad. <laughs> <laughs> well, for those who weren't in that convoy, it was torrential rain. It was, yeah. It really and in was. 993s, nice wide tyres, you know, it's... it's <laughs> It's a recipe for disaster, actually. But. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> still, still go 30 years on and 30 years strong. So, yes, look, to, to the ladies and gentlemen that joined on that rally, again, thank you so much. You made a really special day. And actually, Andy, I don't know about you, but I think the... The storm added to the story, really. Oh, absolutely, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It yes. would have been quite dull without it. Though we, we would have hit some uh, amazing roads. Unfortunately, we had to stick to the main roads, um, but it was still still an event. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I just want to say another quick shout out to Polly and Simon, who let us drive that Carrera RS that's been on display here at Porsche Bournemouth for the week. So guys, we're grateful to you for storing it. But Polly and Simon uh, from Argentina, you, you're very much in the mantra of driven, not hidden. Yeah. So thank you again for that. Uh, we'll press on because Tony, everybody's here to listen to you. Okay, not, not okay. Us. I'm uh, curious to see how you bend down to click the I slides. Should, I should pick that but, up. Don't okay, worry, but, okay. So I guess the so, plan is for you to talk about your career. So, well, yes, uh, we weren't sure what uh, what the um, the topic was going to be apart from nine nine threes, but I thought uh, I'd go through basically how I got into this job, my career at Porsche, and and the things uh, I've experienced, and um, it's. You can ask questions throughout the presentation. Uh, please do you too, Lee, as well. Uh, I've got about 63 slides, to use old terminology. Uh, so let's go through these. And uh, let's pull up the first one, please, Lee. Absolutely. I've got a microphone that I can bring out to you if, uh, if you raise your hand at any point. Amazing. So this is basically why we're all here. <laughs> can everybody see that? And I found that a few years ago, and, and it absolutely just described um, my situation, and, and I think quite a lot of people here. So anyway, uh, car crazy kid, uh, Porsche crazy kid. I won't get into how I got into the design world, but my f I, I ended up at the Royal College of Art in 1979. Uh, and immediately, for the next slide, and immediately... Um, uh, tried to make my way in, in the car design world, and I, I entered the competition, designed the MG of the 80s, and I got a runner-up prize, but I managed to get onto the center of the cover of motor. That's, my, that's the green car there. So that was, that was my uh, initial claim to fame. You can look at the other edgy cars that people were proposing in those days, and you can see the, the round softness. It's not, it's not too complicated, but the round softness of, of um, my design philosophy was already um, being born in those days. I didn't manage, however, to get into Porsche in the first instance, uh, but I did land up in Germany at Opel. So it was an excellent training uh, training ground. Um, the uh, car on the on the uh, on my left is the uh, first study for the Opel Vauxhall Calibra. So that's those those are the cars that I was working on uh, at General Motors. After five years, you get itch itchy feet in this business, at least uh, in other companies. And uh, I applied to Porsche again. And uh, lo and behold, I was accepted uh, in 1986 uh, in Por at Porsche. So the next slide, I think, is, is my first uh, Vex Ausweis. <laughs> That's what you would get to get you into the company. Um, I spent 34 years at the company, so eventually um, you didn't really need an Ausweis because everybody knew me. Or, you know, there might be 6,000 people working there in Weissamp, but I could just walk into the gates and Sepp or France or Height, they all knew me. So, you know, you become quite uh, um, famous is the wrong word, but uh, yeah, inf infamous <laughs> as one of, the, one of the designers. Well, was there the language barrier an issue? The language barrier... 
um, was an issue, it, but I'd been five years at Opel, and Opel being a General Motors company, there were a lot of American designers, so it wasn't such a problem, but the modelers were, uh, were German, and I sort of learned on the job. I learned French at school, which didn't really help. So, uh, so it was learning on the job. But when I got, so when I got to um, Porsche, they spoke a different sort of German. It's a, mi a mixture between Hessisch from Hessen and Bayerisch from Bavaria. They speak Schwabish, which is a very uh, uh, um, difficult <laughs> language or dialect to understand, at least initially. Um, <laughs> So that that was that was the thing, yes. Yeah. So the next slide shows shows uh, my workspace. That's a Harmler guy. That must be ninety ninety eight nine something like that when Harmer just joined. That's the the late great Dick Soderberg, my studio chief, and uh, that's what our design tables looked like. The next one too early. There's not a uh, not a screen, not a mm. not a screen or a computer in sight. And what We're year is this? This is nineteen ninety. Nineteen ninety. So cat was only really just sort of. Well, in in the studios, there was nothing. There was no cat. Yeah. Zero. Uh, I remember the sete the secretary got a computer to start doing printouts and stuff, and we had to book time on the computer. But um, uh, computer aided. Design was starting in, in the 1990s with uh, the construction department using CATIA, but nobody in the design department used uh, computers in those days. Yeah. I was there quite lots of tapes there as well as... Well, we would use... Go back. We would we'd use... You can see those rolls of tape. We would... I think I'll have a tape drawing soon. On, on we would do full-size tape drawings on the wall, so there would be a, a huge sheet of plastic vellum with perhaps uh, a few, a wheels and the engine and the people, and then you could use black tape in varying widths to tape contours and sections, so the modelers knew what to make templates of, uh, and then make the the clay models. So, so that's why we use tape. Yeah. It was a sort of crepe tape that you could make. You could bend around corners and make curves. So, uh, this—that's the year I met my wife too. My wife—I don't know if, any, if you all know my wife—was uh, part of the uh, the dynamic duo, the color and trim duo, for Porsche since nineteen seventy between nineteen seventy six and I think two thousand ten issues when she retired. There were two women, and they one of them became my wife, and that that's that's Flaster, my wife. Oh wow! So keep it in the family. And uh, where's Chet? Chet. Oh, Chet. There he is. Chet. Here's here's the the uh, the orange target that I mentioned to you earlier when I rode with you in your car. <laughs> so <laughs> that's blood orange, is it? That, yeah, I, uh, yeah, it's perhaps not the same orange, but uh, yeah. that's her anyway. So you don't initially get styling jobs when you're a young designer at, at, at any company. But uh, <coughs> you take part in various competitions, whether it's to do a gear knob or a steering wheel or a stripe or a car. The next slide, I won a competition to design stripes on a 959. Now, the 959 was, uh, I think, they were just going out of production in 1989-ish. And unfortunately, I won the prize, which meant I could spend the whole week in a cold, dark uh, paint shop in Zuffenhausen taping those things <laughs> up and, and it had to be symmetrical symmetrical. 
And when they finished it, um, I had to do another one. And then afterwards, I made them make templates, which they did. I think they made five in total uh, for uh, for a, a sheikh in Oman, or, or I'm not sure where he was. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so, so for a rich uh, Saudi prince or king. Amazing. And uh, yeah, so that happened. Then um, a few years ago, I got a call from our exclusive department, and they said, can you tape up some lines? Said, well, you've got some template. No, we threw those away hundreds of years ago. So <laughs> I ended up back. I, I said, okay, I'll do it. I ended up back in a, in a similar dark paint shop taping that thing up for another week. And that, that's, that's uh, a relatively new photograph, which oh. they keep dragging out to show what exclu Porsche Exclusive does. But <laughs> oh, I've never seen that before. It's a very thankless task, believe me. <laughs> So the first, the first real project that I got my teeth into was the 993. I've been doing small, smaller projects, but <coughs> to put it into, into perspective, um, uh, we had a new design chief. We had a new um, engineering chief, Dr. Bates, and my chief was a harmless guy. And the plan was to develop a brand a new series of Porsches based on a on a platform with a V8 engine at the front and everybody wanted to be part of this project and uh, it went so uh, went as far as uh, about five or six different prototypes being built of a four-door front engine V8 Porsche the 989 I think that's been covered in various magazines but while that was going on um, there was still the uh, the problem of what to do with a 964 which had been launched in I think 89 not sure and was not really perceived as being a new car or a new enough it was 80% new yeah. but it didn't look 80% yeah. new so the deal was uh, try and redo uh, redo the 964 so um, that was the project I got stuck into with um, with three modelers Ernst, Heinz, and Hans, who had modeled the 901 with Bootsy Porsche wow. in the early 60s. <coughs> Excuse me. So imagine that. There's me, fresh in from Opal, uh, telling these legends, and they were legends, uh, how to model um, the next 911. <laughs> so it's a very strange, very strange um, situation to be in, but that's, that's how it was. Yeah. And... Um, they learned from my experience in, in, in Opal and other places, and, and I learned, and they helped me um, produce this car, which is what we all are celebrating today. <laughs> it just It's interesting what you're saying there, Tony. You've led to it being, uh, I can't remember the exact terminology now, but basically like improving on the 964, that was the... Uh, that was the task at hand, essentially. It wasn't kind of, right, let's, a clean slate. It certainly wasn't anything like the 996, which was a complete directional change or 991. So that, that I guess that was the um, the idea for that project, to Im improve the 964. So I'm guessing that only a finite budget, considering the company that, knew it was the last air called 911. Uh, well. There probably was a finite budget. I, I can't remember um, budgetary constraints, but um, a designer likes to think he starts with a white, clean sheet of paper and and... You could say, okay, you had a clean sheet of paper to redesign the 911, but the wheelbase stays the same. We knew where the tires were. We knew where the people were. The, the greenhouse stayed the same. 
the engine stayed the same. So you're all, and, and you know what went before, and what went before was the 928, the 959, so there's sort of forms and shapes that are in the, in the Porsche shape vocabulary, if you like. So there's no such thing as a white sheet of paper in any company, actually. So there's lots of things, and uh, <coughs> it's basically an evolution of what's gone before, I think, trying to project that into the future. So I think the next few slides show, show a few of the design sketches that um, I did join the, the course of the, uh, of, the, of the clay modeling. <coughs> Those to, to my uh, right is Heinz, and to my left is uh, Ernst. Ernst is leider not with us anymore, but uh, I saw Heinz a couple of weeks ago. He's about 85-ish, I think. On this, this picture, you can also see how I highlighted that we call the highlights. The, those are those the reflections in the fenders go through the door and then make an S shape and go into the front fender. And if you went back if a couple to that 959, you see, you see the tape or the, the stripes that were trying to follow the reflections in, in, the, in the form. That, that's the idea. We were all hung up on... Uh, creating nice reflections in those days yeah. <laughs> with the convex and, and, and concave um, surfacing. So, okay, and, and another another sketch. These, so these are some of the sketches, that, the sort of sketches that you do as a designer when, when you're working with clay modelers, uh, showing what you want to do and what the car will look like eventually when it's not in clay anymore, when it's, when it's the car on the road or perhaps in action. Next, next one too. I spoke with somebody today about trying to draw a yellow car. I don't know who that was. It was that was <laughs> difficult to, to draw and illustrate a, a yellow car. So how to go about modeling these, this car? We had um, a clay buck, which is basically um, a steel frame. Then they, then they stick great big blo blocks of foam, then shave off the foam in approximately the shape that uh, the clay is going to become. Um, on the wall would already be the tape drawings I mentioned before, so the modelers would already prepare um, sections and templates, and then this whole car would be covered in, in a clay, uh, a, um, a wax-based material that uh, when, it's, when it's in an oven at about 50 degrees, it's very pliable and you can smear it on, and at room temperature it's pretty stable, and mm -hmm. then you can scrape it with metal scrapers. How long does that process take? It, it takes. This took about nine months, I would think. Really? What from it. beginning to yeah. coming up with a final yeah. form? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <coughs> so and is that somebody working on that sort of eight hours? There a day? would be. There were about probably about four modelers. Right. Wow. Uh, probably about four modelers. And um, now go back again, please, uh, Lee. So you might be wondering why it looks so um, squared off. So. Um, Let's see, there's another picture. No. So the, the idea was to try and make the 964 a little, uh, the 993 a little more balanced than the 964 because the 964 was up at, raised up at the front and the rear seemed a bit sagging. So the idea was to try and balance the proportions between the front and the rear fenders. And we did this by creating theoretical edges to get the proportions right. When we, these days, when we do a, a project at uh, Porsche, the first phase is always the proportion phase. So here you could say this is the proportion phase of the nine and three. Then the next stage, or perhaps, what's the next slide? 
Next slide. The advantage of doing a full-size clay model is you could cut it in half and you could do different uh, workouts left and right. So that's mm -hmm. why that, that car is a split down the middle. We'd have a big mirror cut out that slid in that slot so you could stand at the side, at one side oh, of the car, okay. and it looked like a complete uh, car. So then, then the the uh, the sections, the hard edges would be rounded off and checked to make sure that the car was getting balanced front and rear. So that um, the squared off wasn't like a. I always thought that that was like two different um, concepts. You had the squared off no. and the rounded, but no. it's, it's more a stages to it get a, to it was the a stage off. in, in modelling. And some people and some cars are not modelled that way these days. At Porsche, some people theoretically. Um, balance out the shapes and, and the proportions and then round them off. Yeah. There are some modelers who go in there immediately as a sculptor and, and just attack uh, a clay surface and, and it comes out okay in the end. But this was a theoretical workout. I've got a question from the audience, so I'll just take the <coughs> mic over. Try and miss the speakers. Here you go. Thanks. When you were saying that the 964 looked like it's sagging at the back, Yeah. are you talking about the the fact that the the rear wheel arch comes down mm. you know flatter and lower over the wheel so the no no, no the rear is bumper is cut off much much lower than the 993 there's about there's about 10 centimeters difference we raised the rear lights on the 993 to match the the height the height of the headlights at the front it's just balancing the car out cuz also looking at that picture the the wheel arch the wheel arch height is, is similar, whereas in all the models preceding it, the wheel arch profile is flat on the top of, uh, of the early cars. Yeah, correct. And you, you've taken that away as well. Correct. Yeah. I, think, I think we went back down again at the rear, to be quite honest, because you need the clearance at the front because of the steering, but you don't at the rear. Okay. The, ne the next shot, Lee, is, is a group shot. Um, Look at the smile, Tony. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Yes. Those are some of the modelers with the, the chap in the tie is, is Dick Soderberg, my studio chief. And uh we're still in the in the theoretical um phase with just taping on the headlights, taping on approximately where the uh, the blinkers will be and the shut lines. Is that in a studio with a background that you can change to see the car in different no that that was the original studio yard yeah uh and that's that was actually a quarry wall that's what it was ah, okay. that's what it was yeah and we had one turntable that uh, was remotely controlled that sometimes worked <laughs> and the sometimes wasn't when you needed it <laughs> We didn't have any wheels. Oh, we're talking about wheels. We didn't have any wheels. So, so then, um, so then, then, uh, and the turbo, of course, the, the, the wide body was also derived, uh, a bit later in probably 92, 93. We did the turbo and, uh, and the wide body version, which is like having a second go at a project you've just finished, <laughs> which, which is quite good. Yeah. So all cars have to have wheels, and uh, this was a very a controversial decision. Um, again, it was a, a competition between a number of designers, and initially uh, there perhaps to be about 30 sketches or 40, I can't remember, sketches on the wall of wheels. These days when we do wheels review, wheel, wheel reviews at, at, um, at Porsche, 
there'd be perhaps hundreds of sketches because they do a wheel review every year for the McCann, the Taycan. The, yeah, it, it's just mind-boggling. Those yeah. days where we did one wheel every now and then, it was great. <laughs> so anyway, so we did... And, um, and then there's a selection, and a few will be selected to render up in full size. And this was my full-size rendering uh, on Canson paper of, uh, of my idea for the turbo wheel. And as you all can see and know, it's a directional wheel. And um, I couldn't believe it when it was chosen. I don't think most people could believe that they were choosing this wheel because some people said it looked wrong going the other way on the other side. So. Yeah. Uh, which is quite funny because we always look at cars going from left to right. So we never looked at it going the other way. There, was no, there were no technical drawings of the wheel going the other way. So it was always like that. And, um, and the project was for, uh, from the outset, was for um, a hollow spoke wheel using um, a technology that hadn't been used or proven in the automotive industry whatsoever. It was, um, it, it was I think, the wheel star in the middle was kept stationary, and then the, the wheel drum was spun at a very high speed and then pressed onto the star onto 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 this spokes in a split second and that's friction welded the two things together wow, okay. so the technology was very dubious in fact <laughs> it, I, I even went to watch this because thought oh wow this must be fantastic so i went to the company and and uh, it, it all happened behind this metal screen there's nothing spectacular whatsoever <laughs> it's just amazing that this this finished welded up wheel came out at the end but um, but it was a very dubious technology and that's why parallel to that they did a solid a solid wheel oh, okay. because um, it, it was the word it wasn't going to work it was touch ago that, that the yeah. uh, hollow spoke technology would work right. right anybody got hollow spoke wheels outside that's feeling a bit nervous <laughs> <laughs> so, but but the, but this wheel project it took um, it took also a couple of months and uh, I worked with one modeler on one spoke for at least six weeks. You can imagine you coming in the morning, so the model, get, they get there about six and the designers get there about nine. So <laughs> they sat around for three hours doing nothing. You come in and then model a little piece of cake, basically, that's what it looks like. And eventually when, when you're happy with that, that's how they used to do it until recently, uh, then you would cast that section and then cast five, in this case, five of them, and put them together and make a full-size model. That's how we used Amazing. to do it. So it, it was very time-consuming. Yeah. And I remember it used to cost about 250,000 Deutschmarks to do, a, to do a new wheel for Porsche. Wow. These days, uh, the designer does his sketches and does the selection. Then the computer modeler in design, yeah. these days they can use computers in the design department, you can r rustle that up before breakfast. It's dead easy to do something. So these days, designing wheels is, is pretty straightforward and easy. Yeah. But they all look quick. rubbish now, don't they? Well, I wouldn't say that. But um, <laughs> but I guess uh, so what we're looking at here then is kind of the, that's the birth of the iconic turbo twist. That's exactly, that's it. That's Will? the rendering. Yeah, I very, very cool. Home. Very cool. What a so team. So this is, this is the team, yeah, another yellow car. With uh, on the bonnet next to the headlight, that's uh, Bernd Carnell, and then next to him is the uh, the the buyer chief. I think he's he's uh, not with us anymore. And the rest of the uh, department chiefs involved in the in the nine nine three. 
I've got a question from the audience. Hi, thanks very much. Um, <clears throat> you've been describing the, the way you design the shape and all that sort of thing, and it's all great stuff. <clears throat> At what point do the engineers come in and say, yeah, but we'll never get an engine in there, or put some you know, giant problem in your face? Good question. We, we have studio engineers um, who are the, uh, the go-between designer and the engineering department. And um, these days, because we build cars and computers, you can't cheat because the, the digital stuff sticks through. You know, you can't cheat. Uh, these days, you could cheat. And uh, there was a lot of cheating going on. <laughs> And and if 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 you want something, you would force force it through. Probably then it would it go into in, into a discussion with uh, with other 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 departments. But you would do what you wanted, and and then they'd have to prove that it didn't work. Is there any um, key things that you forced through that you remember? Uh, we talked about the wheel arches earlier. The, the 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 way the wheel arches round rounded into the wheel arch. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of uh, doubt about wheel and tire clearance, um, but it seems you know, some of them I know are, um, you know, fo folded back. But uh, I yeah. don't think we had that pro problem in, uh, in the end. Um, that's the key one that you wanted to push through. Was that yeah. that little sort of chamfer almost? Isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. And it and it sort of it sort of makes the wheel opening look a bit bigger. Yeah. It, you know, these days the people they put big black bands around the wheel arch to make the wheels look bigger. Yeah. So that, that did that too. Um, one of the harder parts. Um, let's see if we've got a slide that, that shows that. Was because we raised up the rear lights. We talked about that earlier. The the line flowing from the from the roof down the side of the rear glass that had to hit the top of the tail lights. You can probably even see there might be a little dip in there, and that that was the hardest part to get that line to flow through because the greenhouse is basically a carryover from from 1963, where the um, where the rear end was much much lower, much lower yeah. than a 964. So that was a, that was a challenge. Then we won we won a few prizes. So that's that's uh, holding that um, certificate is Hamla Guy. And the chap behind him is Otto Geffert, our studio engineer. And that's that's practically standing uh, where that uh, quarry wall was, looking towards the studio. So that that was the space. That was the uh, studio yard. I guess that's one of the early production cars, or I guess so. Yes, yes, yes. So what we didn't do is build a speedster, which is something I wanted to do, um, and that is a full-size tape drawing. So if you can imagine um, a wall four meters or five meters long with using black tape and then a small airbrush, it took perhaps about a week running up and down the wall doing this thing. That's what we used to do in those days. But this this is a speedster, and... Um, I wanted to get a because with those, there was the 964 speeds and there's a G model speeds so with the uh, the bumps behind the uh, the seats, and I wanted to try uh, something else. So that was my uh, interpretation of a speedster in probably 1993, um, I think. And in the end, the speedster, speedster project was not continued because um, they already had the Targa. Uh, on the books, then the, uh, the RS, 
turbo turbo look uh, and they had too many variants yeah. and they decided not to do a speedster although one or two speedsters were made by the exclusive department uh, so this was something I've always wanted to do and um, I can so I can tell you the story so the next next slide is is a detail of what I thought that piece should look like so um, so, so when I would come forward 30 years and I'm visiting Alois Ruff in Pfaffenhausen and uh, purely coincidentally a friend said let's go and visit Alois and we went there and I walked around the workshops and came face to face with a body in white, wide body speedster which don't exist. He said, <laughs> building it for a customer. So I said, okay, I've got an interesting <laughs> sketch you might be interested in. So he looked at my sketch, he called up the customer in South America, and on the phone they agreed, yeah, let's go ahead and do it. So that's, that, that's after 30, 35 years, that's what happened. And one thing led to another, and this is then the car that we eventually built in Pfaffenhausen, and presented at Pebble Beach last year, the uh, the roof Bergmeister. Actually, that's a that's a computer image, but uh, so I managed to get the speeds done in the end. Yeah, <laughs> it's great to see it come. So if I'll just go back to so uh, people can see just how that sketch really in detail has has come to life, albeit at Pfaffenhausen this time and not Zuffenhausen. Exactly, and <laughs> made some little stickers on the back that says "Made in Pfaffenhausen." <laughs> And yeah, complete carbon fiber um, body. We lowered the car completely. There's about two centimeters cut out of the wheel arches so that we could lower the car even more. And then put uh, GT1 style uh, wheel arch openings. Yeah. And the idea was because it was a homage on, on the bag Spider, which was a terribly light um, 908, no, mm -hmm. 907, did they call it the bag Spider? Anyway, it weighed nothing, and it had two flaps on the back, which I think they were operable from pedals mm. in the car. So I wanted to um, pay homage to that car with this car. And uh, it didn't have a rear bumper. Racing cars don't have rear bumpers. So And a 993 has a fantastic rear um, rear axle, the vice axle rear axle, and the exhaust systems. And I said, let's leave the completely leave the bumper off, do a nice uh, um, finishing piece underneath the lights, and uh, show off the suspension and the engine and the exhaust pipes. So that's what we did in the end with roof. Brilliant. So get back to the 993. Uh, so this this was the last car to leave the production line. What's the color? Mar what, what what is the color, Chet? Chet knows the full full it's, details. It's that, that's that's what is claimed to be the last one. We've got another. <laughs> No, so the, the, the last one, which is well documented and owned by Jerry Seinfeld, who we're reliably informed because he told us at Rensport. And there's Union, another picture coming up. Still owns the car. And that is Mexico blue. Mexico blue. Mexico blue. Very cool. How did that feel, Tony? That, not, not that moment. That moment there. So that's. Well, the, I wasn't the, there. I, I saw that in the press afterwards. They didn't. Uh, didn't the Zuffenhausen the <laughs> and the Zweisack. Yeah. I think they play football matches together, but that's about it. You know, so, <laughs> or against each so, other. <laughs> yeah, so they, they think, that they, uh, and even Dr. Biederking felt that Weissack was the place where they wasted their money <laughs> because he was in, interested in producing cars. <laughs> so, right. We do, we cost money. 
Anyway, okay, so so that's that's the 993 part of, of what I wanted to chat about. If there's any more 993-related stuff... Question um, at the back there. Do my dad run? Can we hear me? Yeah. Um, yeah. Was there any part of the 993 that you were overridden on that you really wanted to keep in, or either through budget or design? I think uh, we wanted to make the front m much more intricate, and it, it became a one-piece uh, molding. So it was very difficult to make um, a three-dimensional piece that would come out of a, of, of a tooling in one go. So that wasn't wasn't easy. Um, I would have liked to make smaller shut lines as well, but there's a, there's a, and as I mentioned earlier on, the tolerances in, in this car were still um, from 1963, so we're dealing with millimeters of tolerance rather than tenths, which is today's um, kind of tolerance um, allowance. So tolerances were difficult, so they had to have larger shut lines, so you couldn't read um, shut lines that would go uh, open up or close. Um, that was a problem. I remember you saying something to me previously, Tony, about the rain gutters as well and how actually they were kind of crucial. You had to leave them on. Well, we couldn't. We couldn't, couldn't change the greenhouse. Yeah, couldn't change it. Yeah. I've got another question for you. Uh, hi, Tony. Did you come up with the asymmetric mirrors? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, Are you disappointed they didn't catch you? Asymmetric. Uh, yes. That, yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Nine six fours. So no, I, uh, that's I just accepted that. So that's where that's where they should be. You know. Carried over. <laughs> Any other questions? To my left. One down here, yeah. Thanks. Uh, Tony's been fascinating this evening. Thanks very much. Um, slightly sort of OCD question, really. But um, why are the windscreen wipers so close together? Well, uh, did you come here in the rain with us? Yes. Uh, so <laughs> and, did, they, and they was, work. Did, yeah. Well, that, that, that was the best uh, solution. They, the earlier 911s, uh, and if you've all had an earlier 911s, they do work, but, you know, to a degree. And um, the idea with these wipers, that I think we even tried a single wiper because the screen is quite big, actually. Uh, and I think Mercedes had also had a, a super windscreen wiper system. But this one meant that when the wipers closed, depending on which side you're sitting, they kept the, all the rainwater down. It, it wiped twice in front of the driver. Um, obviously, the, the 911 has changed hugely in the last 30 years. Is there anything on the current 911 that you could say that is a design cue from the 993, or has it all moved on? Well, I, li I like to think that the, fen the way the fenders, uh, the convex and concave surfacing of the fenders, you can now find again on, uh, on the 992. I think, I think that kind of form of vocabulary sort of got lost a bit on the 996. The 997 was starting to, to pick up again, and uh, I think the, the generation of 911s we have today um, echo those forms. Yeah, uh, Definitely as well on the 992s, the front fenders, they encapsulate the headlight, which is uh, the same as the 993, where the front fender goes around the headlight. I think 991, that was lost, uh, and 6 and 7. So that was directly pulled, I think, from memory from the 993 as was actually at the, the front of the bonnet, where it's a flat edge, flat, flat leading edge of the bonnet, that again. So I was told in the press gump when the 902 came out that it's that all was true. 903 it's inspired. All true. It's all true. <laughs> okay. hi, hi, Tony. Um, what happened with the Targa? Why is it so different 
to all the other targets before it. I'm not sure whose idea it was. It's, I think it seemed like a good idea at the time. It's basically <laughs> what happened. Um, the target that we know and love with, with, the, with the bar uh, was notoriously difficult to uh, keep from leaking. And in production, uh, I don't think they wanted to have workers with hammers hammering around on, on body and whites. Uh, and I'm not sure who came up with the idea, but Steve Merkel was the Mark. guy who, who, who um, pushed that project through. I think it took clues from the Panamericana, which happened actually parallel to the 9 and 3. While we were doing that, the Panamericana was a very quick project. It was a show car based on a 964. Uh, happened parallel to the 9 and 3. Cool. Got another question. Oh, same question. Any others? Chet's got one. Hey, Tony. Hi. Hi. Um, a twofold question. Um, firstly, um, with the benefit of hindsight and 30 years, um, what is your most proudest aspect of the, the 993 design, your favorite piece? Um, and by the same token, is there anything you regret? Um, or maybe regret is a strong word. Is there anything you would redesign, um, you know, looking back after all this time? Um, and a bonus question. <coughs> um, why was it... Why was it only the C2S that got the the three five six inspired split grill, um, and yeah, why why only the C2S? What what, what, what was the first question again? <laughs> well, the first do, do what, the, the bit I I uh, I'm very proud of the front on the on the uh, on the turbo and the treatment of the rocker, especially the rocker, which I think you can find it a bit in, in, of that in the Carrera GT. Uh, I'm not going to say what I would redesign. I'm <laughs> not going to admit anything. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, about the split, you know, I can't remember the decisions about the split the split grill. I know I, it was my idea, and I said let's do it, and they said okay. It's a uh, a nod to the um, the three five six with the split grills, the C SCs or which which ones had the split grills. So yeah. that that was that was the idea, but I don't know how why we restricted it to the C two S. I I cannot remember. I'm afraid. It's a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Is it true that the interior was kind of, or the redesign of this interior was scrapped for financial reasons and that actually there were elements of the 996 interior that were intended for the 993? No, no. Okay. No. <laughs> no. It was always, uh, the interior was, I think we did a new steering wheel and a new, um, new loudspeakers in the doors. One or two small things that, that there wasn't much done on the interior, and uh, there was no 996 stuff. There was no carryover. Now that happened afterwards. Thank you. I just wondered, what's your opinion of the? And I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right. The Gunter Works interpretation of the 993. Um, I think they they have a fantastic attention to detail because uh, I know those guys know how to look at their cars. Um, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> watch this space, maybe. <laughs> yeah, watch this bit. Yeah, uh, they do some nice stuff, but it's it's. Um, I think it's a bit over the top, quite honestly. Um, yeah, I'm more of a perhaps of a singer, roof man than Gunterwex. Put it nicely. <laughs> cool. Any more questions before we break off to? Behind, ah, uh, Jit. Ah, behind, Jit. <coughs> Hi, Tony. Um, Hi. 
from a purely design perspective, what's your fa favorite variant of the 993? Probably the RS, but the, but the, the the normal RS, not the one with the great big uh, spoiler on the back that I arrived here in <laughs> today. <laughs> I, 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 I think uh, if, if I had to have one 993, it'd probably be the, uh, yeah. the RS. Yeah. In black. <laughs> Inspect the car already. Okay. So there are... We did projects, and then projects would end, and other projects would begin. There was always um, like a filler in between projects for people who were coming of one project into another. And since Porsche began, since even before the war, Porsche was an engineering consultancy doing work for anybody who came along and asked asked to do stuff and do jobs. Uh, and in the seventies and the eighties, primarily in the eighties. Even into the 90s, our design studio did also did outside design contracts for companies. And up until this present day, Porsche, and not Porsche Design in Austria, Porsche in Weissach, do all the Linda forklift trucks, all of them. So all designers had to go through Linda forklift trucks and, and do stuff. And it was, it was good fun. It, uh, it was, you know... <laughs> I think there's another picture of another Linda Fortlift truck, and and you really got to grips with production capabilities and what you could what you could cast in cast iron, yeah. you know, and the, it was good good, it was, good foundation training. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Without without risk to the nine eleven design. And then, and then they had wide wheels, you know, they looked great. So, <laughs> so that, that's what we did in, in the between projects. Uh, but this was slightly different. So, so yeah. So then, so then in in um, in uh, just before the summer of '95, Harm said, Harm the guy said, "You're going to get a, a call from a guy in the race department who wants to do a race car." And I'd been um, experimenting with a brand new software in the design department called um, from Evans and Sutherland called Computer. I can't remember, CDRS, Computer Rendering and Modeling System, something like that, which was for a designer to use a computer. Yeah. Designers couldn't use computers. No designers used computers up until that, that spot. And all the computer stuff that you saw was done by the construction people, and they would, they would surface the cars after the clay models were finished. So I'd been one of two guinea pigs in, in the studio looking into using this software, and they knew that. And the racing department knew that they needed a body, PDQ, to put their, their newest idea of, of making a GT1. So um, I did get the phone call, and it, I think it was probably July or something like that, July-ish, uh, from this guy. And we had a meeting, and uh, uh, this, this was one of the sketches that I did. And... Then I said, yeah, okay, go ahead and, and make it. So I got a package with the wheels, the engine, and all this sort of stuff, and made a model in the computer. So that was, pro that was probably the first time we ever modeled in 3D in the studio uh, a car. Did and you enjoy it, or was it a... Oh, oh, oh it's terrible. It was te we had this thing, this huge <laughs> en this computer engine that kept crashing. <laughs> it was so frustrating. And, and the thing was, you'd build a nice surface you thought was nice, and then try and match it to another surface, and that would warp the other surfaces. It was, it wasn't, Horrendous. it wasn't intuitive. It was terrible. <laughs> and uh, but eventually, this the next slide shows um, 
the car. So that, that's a milled model of the car that I modeled in a, in a computer system in 90, in, in the uh, autumn of 95. And, uh, and also the next shot shows, gives you some idea of the scale. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was the model. And that was the basis for, um, Oh, I haven't got the claim. Anyway, that was the basis for the first GT1. So we then went and modeled that in full size and went into the wind tunnel oh, in full size. Yeah, at the wrong, okay. I think the slides are perhaps a bit out of, out of shape. Anyway, carry on, Lee, please. So, um, by spring in uh, 96, we had a, had a car. Uh, that was the first prototype. Okay, another one. So this this was the first proper tr prototype, and you can see basically that's the car that um, ended up on on the screen. Norbert Singer became the uh, aero engineer on the car, so I worked very closely with Norbert, and um, it was all about downforce. It was all about us from the design department trying to make it or keep it looking like a nine eleven, yeah. and the race department trying to make it look like a, a race car. <laughs> And, uh, it so sounds fraught with uh, yeah, it was, tensions. It, it, yeah, there was a bit, a bit of tension. But Norbert Singer is a great guy and, um, it was great fun. And it happened so quick. So if this is in the spring, you can imagine we modeled that thing in clay. I think we have to go one or two slides further down the road. Another keep going, keep going. There. You can see this, it became a monster in the studio with people working on it day and night, uh, trying to meet the deadlines. So the initial clay, uh, the initial computer model was super quick, but we still hadn't finalized how you did a car in a computer. So you can see it's hands on, all hands on deck and, and back to the old school modeling in clay. Um, why is that one out of sync? The next one, please, Lee. So that, that's now that model covered in what we call Dynoc. The earlier models you saw, the 9 and the 3, were also clay models, but covered with a, a material called Dynot, which is a very, very extremely thin um, plastic film painted in silver that you could drape, you, you dipped it in warm water, big roll of it, then the backing paper came off, and this film was then laid onto the clay and smoothed out with slicks, and it, it becomes, it looks like a, a solid metal car. So Amazing. that's a clay model in the studio yard on the turntable. That infamous quarry wall again. Yes, yes. <laughs> it doesn't exist anymore. And then, yeah, so then, so that, so that was the, uh, the, the GT197 Evo. We, we had to, unbelievable. So the car, okay, so the, to go back a few steps, the, the basis was a 993. So we're back to the 993. The basis was a 993 front, 993 cabin. The crash box at the front was a 993. And then they basically sorted off behind the, the, uh, the seats and bolted um, a 962 frame and engine on, onto the back. So that's basically what that car was. So this is, this is the Evo, the first one had 993 headlights because we had to do a road car to get it homologated so it had to have lights that were had homologated for that car then um but while we're doing this the 996 gets launched and so we're doing a facelift on the 993 so that's why this car then got the 996 headlights because the 996 was being launched and uh 
we couldn't come up with a new car from Le Mans with nine and three headlights. That was the um, <laughs> that's what happened there. So the next next one, please, Lee. It's, it's worth pointing out as well, ladies and gentlemen. Tony joined us on Nine Works Radio earlier this year. Did a fantastic podcast uh, all about the GT1, and there's a, that goes really in depth. So definitely worth uh, having a look at that. This year was, of course, 25 years since that GT1 conquered at Le Mans. There's a couple of really good anecdotes from Tony in there, so worth taking a look. I know, the time's 25 years ago. <laughs> so so, 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 still, um, me as a designer getting into the hair of the racing guys, this is at Lola Composites in Huntingdon, and they did the bodywork in, uh, in carbon fiber or, co or, or, or um, Kevlar. And I went there with a modeler and rolls of chrome tape and we taped up all the, all the surfaces so we could see the reflections to make sure there are no imperfections. You know, they just wanted to kick us out, <laughs> but that, that's, that's what we did with this car. We were still trying to make it look like a good looking car. That was, that driving was, them insane. That, that was the, de <laughs> that was the deal. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so anyway, uh, we came, I, I think, uh, one car caught fire and the other one crashed in 97, unfortunately. So that's why Dr. Wiedeking is there. Uh, one of the, go back a couple of slides. He's looking very happy, but he wasn't very happy because Porsche was not winning Le Mans. <laughs> and he said, you guys have got to win Le Mans. That's what you're here for. That's why... Zuffenhausen's giving Bysack money. <laughs> <laughs> well, win on Sunday, sell on Monday. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So anyway, so so then, um, so then um, the idea was to go an all-out carbon fiber, monocoque, carbon fiber, complete carbon fiber car. Let's keep going, please, Lee. Yeah, another one. So, GT one ninety eight was a complete carbon fiber. Uh, race car. Have we got a picture of the front? Yes, the, ne the next one. Yeah. We've still got 996 headlights on it. That was another nightmare, trying to fit the, for the complicated forms of the 996 headlights into the front of this uh, aerodynamically tuned um, swoopy racer that I did with Norbert Singer. So the 90, 98 Le Mans t couldn't have been better. Well, it could have been. We could we could have uh, won easily, but it wasn't an easy win. Uh, the cars were in the garages for a long time. It rained. It was it was a, a race of attrition. But the two Porsche GT ones came first and second. I think the the open WEC cars they were from Yerst. I don't know if they finished. I'm not sure. Can't mm. remember. But anyway, I was also responsible for the graphics of the other cars as well. Even for this photograph, I'm in the middle of the photograph at the back after having arranged it. And on the, on the outside, uh, at the right there is Michelo Alboreto and he was really pissed off because he wanted to be one of the guys that sat on the fender. But all these, they're, they're all <laughs> prima donnas, these, these racing drivers, I tell you. <laughs> But it was it was great fun, nevertheless. And 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 during that race, so I spent I think seven days at Le Mans, um, managing all the uh, graphics that we'd uh, stupidly decided ran from the fenders over the doors into the roof. So all these cars had to be assembled with their with their fronts, their rears, the doors, all the spare parts. Every car had I think three fronts, three rears. 
they all had to be modeled, um, mounted together in order for the graphics guys to stick the uh, the graphics on. So that took that took about seven days to do all that. And they were still arriving on on the um, on the day of Le Mans. I remember there were still parts arriving. And um, and uh, when that when the flag fell to start the race, then that's why I had to take off all my Porsche stuff and put on civvy clothes. And I was a spy in the pits. With a with a walkie-talkie, and I was I had to watch um, the, the Nissans and the Panos, and if they came in, I had to say if they tra- changed drivers, if they changed tires. And so Sheep. I was part of the part of the, the spy system. And if you was there for hours, and then you'd notice the other people standing around doing nothing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody was at it. Next one, yeah. Oh, I, that that's uh, that was a huge sticker. I did the uh, also did the decorations for the um, all the pits, so that, those were stuck all over the place in the, the pits on the pit walls, and uh, yeah, a couple, a few more made in flat. Still spotted on modern day GTs. Well, they, they've they've started doing that again because um, I don't know if I'm repeating what what everybody knows, but um, the the racing the, the Development center is in a, a village. Actually, the village is in the development center these days. It's <laughs> so big, but it's Vysak. And part of Vysak is flacked, a little part of the town over the hill, down the valley. And the racing department is situated in the boundary of flacked. So the racing guys are very proud that they, they make their cars on their own and they're not part of Weizsack. <laughs> so you've got Zuffenhausen, Weizsack and Flacht. So uh, they, uh, they always love to put Maiden Flacht on their race cars. <laughs> Brilliant. And there's, there's another 996 headlight tucked in there <laughs> out of sight. <laughs> God bless him. Yes. Yes. So, okay. So then, then and, uh, yeah. And we won. That was great. Next one. Yeah, that's what the car looked like uh, after the race. It was just left in. It's funny how they just leave the cars lying around. <laughs> Everybody, it, it, there were so many people there. I've never seen anything like it. Thousands of people on the on the start finishing straight, and then suddenly they all disappear. So yeah, so this so um, it was fantastic that uh, Porsche was celebrating fifty years. Unfortunately, um, Ferry Porsche died that year. Really sad. But, uh, Porsche celebrated 50 years. Porsche won Le Mans. And as a design department, we were invited to take part in a huge, um, commemorative evening in Zuffenhausen. And our chief Hamler guy said, uh, to Dr. Wiedeking, he said, we can, we can, uh, give you the next 911 in seven minutes. 30 seconds or whatever it is, which is the lap time or then of, of the um, Nordschleife Nürburgring. And so it was down to us to, um, we trained for about a week on, we did loads loads of full-size tape drawings of, of a 911 of the future, taping it up and we then we finalized the design then we drew on very thin in pencil on on, um, on a, one of the thin sheets of film then took all the, took all the tape off, and that's what we used. We we taped then that that film on two huge boards on wheels, and uh, Gunter Jauch was moderating. He was doing the show. He said, "Right now, the design department are going to give Porsche and the new 911 in seven minutes, seconds, whatever." 
wheel that thing out and we went to work. There was the Steve, Ranjit, Pinky, me, I think Grant Larson's in there somewhere. And we taped up this thing and because we, we trained, we knew we could do it and we did it in seven minutes, whatever it was. And we even airbrushed it. Well, it wasn't airbrushed. We used proper spray guns to spray uh, color onto the car. Uh, and I think that it was auctioned off at the end for charity for a hundred thousand Deutschmarks, was it still? I can't remember. So that that was um, great to be part of that uh, that occasion. Onto some race cars. Yeah. So while all this is going on, um, I became. Uh, the go-to guy for for the race department if they had to have uh, a race livery and there were loads of them this was um, the becker vip cup car and i think the next slide shows some more so uh, i did quite a lot of liveries for these guys did you do any of the um 993 cup car liveries no because uh no, I didn't, but I know which ones. You, no, that, mm. that's where the, that's where the kind of psychedelic things were starting. Yeah. If you remember the uh, the 962 Shell Dunlop car, the PDK one, which was lovely, and that, that Rob Powell, another Brit, did that car, and that kind of started the uh, this this kind of um, avant-garde uh, livery that we were yeah. playing with. Epic. So then various projects then came my way. I think this was the the GT. Two R the G that wasn't RS just the GT two nine and six GT two. Next one shows ah this this now illustrates a tape drawing, and we did it for every project. So that's the turbo you had quite, or is that the GT two? That's the GT two. That's the GT two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. See in the top corner uh, above my head the sketches, and so you do a side view. Then a front view, and then you try and do um, a top view, so the modelers could then either take points and, and coordinates or make templates. Mm -hmm. So that happened. Then uh, round about two thousand, I have to think about when that all happened. The Carrera GT happened, which um, was initially uh, a show car, and it was finalised in America. We had a studio in America in Huntington Beach. And um, the car was launched in uh, Paris in 2000. And famously, at 3 o'clock in the morning, it was, it was driven down the Champs-Élysées in pouring rain by Valterreul. And I think that's the point. They noticed that the show car didn't have a roof. So, that when, so I, I got the job of doing the series, <laughs> the, the, the production car. And uh, the first thing was to try and make the car real. And it wasn't just the roof. It, it, had, it had no cooling concept. It had no crash protection. So basically the car was lengthened by about 20 centimeters. We widened it. Um, it did so much to that car that, that there's nothing, you couldn't take anything from the show car and put it on the series production yeah. car. But um, I think it turned out okay in the end. <laughs> yes, so. another, this, this one, this is, this is showing, mocking up that kind of mocking up, I think it was a plexiglass roof on the show car. So still in those days, testing ideas, making models. You were a good poser, weren't you, Tony? I know, I know. <laughs> 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 Striking a pose. Should we go next one? Yes. Yes. Little detail. So um, we were ensconced in a small studio outside, uh, so nobody uh, really 
bothered us and we were allowed to do all sorts of lovely little details. This is the detail in the door. Did I show you? Did Paul show you that one? Yes. I don't, yeah, yeah that, that, if you press that, it comes out like it, it pops open and you can either stash drugs or gun or anything in there. <laughs> so that, that was, because uh, we were searching for places to put things in the Crow GT because there's, there's, there's not much room. There's not much room. <laughs> no, no. Uh, again, there's a really good video where uh, you and, and Paul, are an owner, walk around the car, Secrets of the Crow GT. It's on YouTube. I recommend you check it out. Yeah. It always seems to be raining in the studio yard. So this was uh, and what we call the Ur model, the, um, the cubing model. Of the nine nine of the of the Crow GT, so it, another model we would do clay models. Then this was the model milled from the data that the construction department had produced. So we do we do the clay model. It would be measured. The points would then be put into a computer. It would all be then smoothed and and and, and what we call stracked. And these surfaces then would then be milled in a, a hard stable material. So you could see and painted in silver, so you could see any imperfection, and we would then check that in the studio yard. Um, but as you can see, it's always raining. So, <laughs> and uh, next one, the Carrera GT. So then, next one, please. But um, it's great to be involved in such projects, and I had the honor of showing Nikki Lauder uh, how to change gear. You know. This is, <laughs> <laughs> Push that one forward, Nikki. And so, <laughs> Carrera GT, cal a calendar picture of the 99 of a Carrera GT. Then the last, uh, the last uh, Carrera GT in Leipzig. The Carrera GT was built in Leipzig. There was a lot of um, uh, discussions about where to build this car. It was nearly got built in flat, which would have been an amazing uh, logistical. Problem. I don't. I can't imagine how they could have done it. But um, Weiss, um, Leipzig had opened and was building Cayennes, and they had a, a big corner where they built this production line. And uh, I think they built about one thousand two hundred odd. One thousand two hundred seventy-two. Carrera GTs, which is a phenomenal Spot. number. Which um, yeah. <laughs> It'd be interesting to know because when you design these cars, Tony, you must have a color in mind. You know, which color do you think? best suits the Carrera GT? The, the, uh, I hope my wife's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> I usually, I would usually choose black, but these days, you know, your taste changes. Uh, there are some really nice, uh, and they've, they're Porsche colors. I, I love Macalite green metallic. Ooh. Macalite green metallic. Okay, yeah. I had a Cayman in that color. It's a sort of Aston Martin racing green gray color. Okay, I yeah. think, cause um, we had, we had here a yellow, red, white, black, silver, and that was about it. So uh, I think it was a very, um, uh, boring's the wrong word, but I would have, I would have had some other colors in there. Yeah. Yeah. Variety. Yeah. Yeah. More variety. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, the next. So we go back to the the, the first slide, which which what, tell me what love is. Yes, tell me what love is. Tell me is, what Chuck. love is, Lee. <laughs> so love is a black Porsche. This this was this was my first personal nine uh, eleven. Uh, Good three, choice, I say, Tony. Uh, Good three choice. Point, <laughs> 3.2 um, uh, with a limited slip. Didn't have sports seats, unfortunately, but it was fantastic. Uh, and. One car has to go to, to finance the next one. Anyway, so the next one um, was a 2.2S, uh, mm -hmm. 71. And um, 
I had the engine twin plugged and uh, three exhaust outlets. It was fantastic. This was incidentally on the track at Visac, which um, because I belong to our um, company air cooled club and we have events uh, quite frequently and um, one event a few years ago um, we were allowed to go out onto the track with pace cars but uh, nevertheless it was pretty exciting excellent nice bit of weight transfer in there tony it doesn't look like there's a pace car in sight but (laughs) up on the curbs yeah Yeah. Yeah. and then okay and that's my 993 which I haven't brought because of the weather. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a reca- I know, I'm an absolute coward. So, <laughs> so it's, it's got the turbo front, it's got hollow spoke wheels, um, H&R, coilover, version 3, rear seat delete, RS steering wheel, um, single weight flywheel. I love it. It's awesome. It's, it was great to see it a couple and, of weeks and ago. Ne- and the next one... And it, and it's it's the uh, the British version. Is this from <laughs> is this from Sondervunch? <laughs> very very Sonder, yeah. And then and then my last slide. So to celebrate twenty five years of nine and three, we had an internal with my club internal nine and three event at Leipzig. We drove to Leipzig with about twenty five cars, I think. And that was a sticker I made for that. Brilliant, amazing. Well. We've done our own to emulate that, and we'll yes. give you a you've, couple. And we've got surpassed, some. We've got yeah. some here to yes. to give out as well. But just, I, I guess, to finish, Tony, you know, thirty years on, what what's your kind of overriding feeling of that with regards to the nine nine three? Well, that well, that was that was in a nutshell what I've been doing for the last thirty four years, which is basically hot rodding nine elevens. That's and that's what I still do. You know, um, my feeling is is I cannot comprehend that i've spent 34 years doing that and and continuing and it's ongoing you know <laughs> it's ongoing um i'm helping alois roof with a few design projects so that we're continuing hot rodding 911s so that's <laughs> it's, it's it's quite some legacy i'm not sure if you're aware to everybody else but there's uh, 69,137 993 is made. Well, actually, that was from the said article that you put up with the uh, Mexico Blue off the production line. Okay, I was going to ask how I didn't realise that. Yeah, 69,000. Yeah. Yes, but it's now 69,138 because of Project Gold uh, that was made in 2018. <laughs> but that's, uh, you know, as we've we've said and we've done a, a book, Andy's put this wonderful book together where some of the guys and girls on today's rally have put some sentiments in it. So that'll be for you to read in your own time. But we basically said of those cars, there's many millions of miles done and happy memories created for owners, passengers, absolutely all sorts of scenarios. You know, Andy, you've lived it as a 903 owner. Yeah, I love one. And, absolutely um, love my 903. Yeah. And, and as we said, it all comes down to your artistry and, and of your team, of course. My, time. My, yeah, I, I have to give credit to my team because uh, without those people, it, it couldn't have happened or it, it probably would have happened. And I think I was lucky to be in the right place at the right time. I would say you make your own luck, but um, look, I, I think we'd be keen for everybody to have a, a bit of a chat with you uh, at this point. So we'll wrap up. Just want to say thank you again to everybody that's come along today, brave the adverse weather, and and for the guys and girls on the rally earlier. It's a real privilege to sit and have this conversation with you, Tony. So thank you. Thank you, Lee. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Right. So that was the legendary Mr. Tony Hatter.
Yes, thank you so much, Tony. Yes, here at Porsche Centre Bournemouth. Thanks to Jonathan and the team, as we said. So before we do sign off here, Andy, Thomas and Ula, what was your takeaway Hatter moment from yesterday or last night? Ula, I think you should go first. Sorry, Thomas, you should yeah. go first. No, uh, of course, it, it was so amazing to see how passionate he was about his work and still is. Yeah. And he's done so much great things but the one thing that i remember was actually after the event when we went to the pub with him and uh, i asked him about the 356a i suddenly remembered and uh, that's the 356a he bought in italy some years ago uh, uh, with a special brown leather interior and he got that car and got it home but he uh, the car had normal seats and he wanted speedster buckets so he bought the shells in aluminium and and got them retrimmed by the porsche factory team and uh, they just needed to find uh, the same color for uh, the skin the leather so as they did that they really liked the color so much that they said that if we could keep this color in our uh, range we will do the retrimming for free and uh, that became the sport classic interior such a great story that is. it is because yeah he's like that an idea that was born quite organically has ended up in seats all over yeah. planet earth really yeah. so very cool very Brilliant. cool thomas yeah Ula? Uh, my uh, impression uh, was uh, uh, how highly um, tony hatter regarded the uh, porsche family mm. and the culture of the um, of the factory and the design department and that matched exactly what Jürgen Bart told us right, uh, okay. this spring yeah, yeah. so yeah. Um, that uh, that's maybe uh, a key to the mystery of the success of uh, the brand uh, I think yeah <laughs> <laughs> very good on. good point made yeah um, I think my feeling was from Tony, how humble Tony is. Mm-hmm. You know, he's at, at the root of it, he's just a, a regular guy doing a, an engineering type job, um, but is very good at sort of telling the stories. But also quite interesting that he sort of forgets. You know, he's forgotten because it's you know he's been doing it every day for thirty five years. And you ask him about a particular detail, he's like, "Well, I don't know, I can't remember that back." <laughs> you know, this is just regular life, isn't it? We yeah. can't remember what we did ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Sort of Tony's, um, he's kind of you know, meant to remember everything, and not not everything is remembered. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Amazing, uh, very humble, and just such a, mm. a a good, nice guy. Without a doubt, yeah. Part part of the magic, I guess. I think, like for for me, as a my takeaway that I'd really like to share with people listening to this podcast is. Um, Prior to the event, the week before, I had a phone call with Tony just to make sure he was happy with the flights and yeah. whatnot. And uh, we'd previously planned to do this evening here at Porsche Bournemouth. I said, Tony, just so you know, in the day, Andy and I have organised something. Don't want to tell you what it is. whole thing's going to be a surprise. Just ask that you trust us. And I'm sure you'll enjoy it. And, and to his credit, went, yep, yeah, absolutely fine. No problem at all. So uh, when he got off that plane... Yesterday at Heathrow, we had no idea what was uh, what was ahead, and um, you know many variables in in the day. Yeah. And and Tony's retired now, or well, semi-retired because he's still a busy guy yeah, despite being officially retired. Yeah. I think is the correct terminology. But um, Tony yesterday had a long, long day. I would say almost pulled from pillar to post, which was fantastic because so many people wanted to share their nine or three anecdotes yeah. and show their car. And he, 
absorbed absolutely all of that, then came to the dealership, did an uh, hour and a half presentation on his career, then afterwards was so happy to chat to everybody and share so many stories. And then when we went to the pub at the end of the evening, he was still entertaining us with all of his anecdotes. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I thought, what a guy to be able to to do that and with kind of such yes humility as you said Andy and little fuss so I think that's worth sharing that behind the scenes so yeah. just a, a genuine bloke that's still as passionate about these cars and the brand as we are so mm, agree absolutely yeah. well uh, and he signed so many cars yesterday oh my god yeah <laughs> I, mean, I think his signature was worn out. Yeah. <laughs> and he had also a funny story about that. Yeah. He said that uh, he was in the office in Weissach and uh, the guard called him and said, there's a guy outside that wants you to come <laughs> out to sign his car. Okay. And he went out. And uh, also Norbert Singer was there because he uh, had called both. <laughs> Maybe we should do that. I wonder how we get far with that these days. It's fantastic. Many, many happy memories made for everybody. Um, it just, yeah, last, lastly, to say thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed listening to the life and career of Mr. Tony Hatter as we celebrate 30 years of 993 on 9 Radio. Awesome. Gentlemen, until yeah. next time. Thank you. Thank you. See you later. next week. This episode was brought to you by our very kind Driven Not Hidden Collective. If you would like to join the collective to get further access and rewards within the Nineworks community, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash Nineworks. You can also support us by leaving a five-star review on your favorite podcast app.